Hey everyone, welcome to the Grow with Quora podcast, where we interview marketers on how and why they use Quora. I'm your host, JD Prater. Today, special guest who is a digital nomad who has lived in six cities across three different continents, visiting 40 countries around the world. He's lived in Australia, London, and several cities in Canada, and has now made his home in Montreal. Please help me welcome the founder and head of strategy of Take Some Risk, Dwayne Brown. I'm glad that you could join us. Yeah, no, I'm, I always make the time for you, JD. <laughs> the time. Uh, so you come back to, to Canada and you started your own agency, Take Some Risk. And so I find that to be like such a unique name, right? It's not like Dwayne Brown LLC or like DB Marketing, right? And so uh, how did you come up with that, that, that name? Yeah, I mean, I wanted a name that was both a little bit of a foreshadow of like who I am as a company and also wanted a name that I think sort of let clients know like, like what we do and who we are. Uh, so take some risks just kind of made sense because we want clients to like take risk and totally um, basically just take risk and do what they need to do. And then we wanted clients to just understand that like you're going to come work with us. You can't just like maintain the status quo. Status quo is kind of the worst thing you can do. Um, and so we named it and the government of Canada said I could have the name. So I got the name and we registered in like two provinces, which is good. And eventually we'll probably just register in all the provinces because it makes sense sometimes. Um, so I just want a name that sort of said, hey, this is what we do. This is who we are. And there are people who don't like the name completely. So we uh, basically, they don't contact us if they don't like the name because they want to maintain the status quo. Gotcha. <laughs> so you also help... Uh qualify those leads just with your name. So that's, that's also a good thing as a marketer. It is a good thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no one's ever told me they hated the name, but I just assume those people would not reach out to me. <laughs> so one of the things that you do that uh, I've always been really interested in and always very thankful for is your paid media salary survey. Can you give us a quick you know, snippet of like what that is and what it's all about and you know, how you're giving back to the community? Yeah. I mean, a few years ago in 2015, like I was at a tech job and um, I wanted to hire someone junior than me and I wasn't really sure what people made because I had spent so much time in the UK and Australia and traveling around. And so just on a whim, I was like, well, why don't I put up a, a thread on, you know, Reddit for PPC and ask if you want to give their salary. And I didn't actually think people would do it, but I figured, you know, want to give it a shot. And then, you know, a couple hundred people gave me their salary and some people gave me their email addresses so I could tell you what people made if I wanted to, but I obviously keep that information confidential. Um, and then people really liked it. And so then I did it the last three years and then this is year four for us let's kind of uh shift gears here and talk a little bit about how you got started on Cora. so you've answered 40 questions but, uh you know how and why did you get started uh you know like clients were maxing out on google and bing and facebook and I think a few years ago, both, you know, you guys and other platforms are starting to sort of bubble up as where people are going to spend their time and kind of like, you know, Reddit, I joined Reddit in 2015, 2016. It was just seems like, you know, when I give it a try and see what it's like and kind of understand how it works, I'm very much a, a learn by doing kind of guy. So if you can explain stuff to me and I'll get it, but like I learned more by just like surfing around the internet and, and trying things out. So I joined just to kind of test it and make sure I could explain it eloquently to clients when they ask questions about it. And we found it's been good for like a lot of our B2B SaaS technology clients. Cause usually at least from a tech perspective, there's a lot of people asking like, you know, what platform should I use or how do I do this on Facebook or how do I, you know, 
install this on Shopify or do I go with Shopify or what are their competitors? And so it's been great to like target people who, you know, have questions or they're interested in certain things because they've served, you know, these threads. And so we can show them ad based on their interests and stuff like that. And um, it's been fun to like test and figure out like which of our ads on Facebook and which of our ads on, you know, Google, you know, run the best on core and how do we just continue to like grow the business for our clients. So a lot of the, uh, your question and answering on Cora has really been from, from clients, but do you have any, like, do you do it just for like, like for fun or, you know what I mean? Like, so we have a, a couple of people on the, on the show that have just been like, I just love answering questions. I just love helping people. Um, do you have any intrinsic motivation like that? Or is it really mostly just for, you know what, I need to learn how to use this platform in order to be a better, uh, advertiser. I mean, it definitely started out that way, but from time to time, I've answered questions like, you know, I used to live in Vancouver, so I asked questions about Vancouver, or asked questions mm. around travel. Um, I've not followed the thread for Montreal, but I imagine there was probably questions about Montreal, so to ask that. I've answered questions about Toronto, because it's where I spent most of my life. Um, there's always people who ask, you know, should I move to Toronto, or Montreal, or Vancouver? It's always those three cities, usually. Um, so I definitely answer questions personally, but I find... Uh, as I join more websites, I've got to be like careful about like what I answer and what I what I talk about. From the sense of like, there's just information overload where you've mm. got you know your profile on too many sites. So I definitely do it, but I'm I'm picky on answering questions. I can answer really well and I know really well um, versus just trying to answer everything because there's just there's just so much questions on there to ask and being with. Oh man, that's such a, that's like my, my problem as well. I've got, uh, this is like, I don't know if you'd realize that within Quora and for those listening as well, you get, there's like an answer later, what you can do. So if you like right click on an answer, you can say answer later. And so it just makes this library of questions to answer. It's great for advertisers. These are might be ones that you would want for your client, but it also just becomes a, a daily reminder of how many questions I need to go answer. <laughs> I think right now I'm up to like over 60, but they're all questions that I know really well. I just got to like sit down and do it. So uh, this is a really good one as well. Do you have a, a writing tactic how you approach writing or do you set down time to go and like answer questions or is it more like on the fly for you? Mm, it's definitely on the fly, but I'll usually do whether it's you guys or if I do something on Reddit, I try to do it like at nighttime. Like I'll come home from work and I'll make dinner and I'll sit down and have dinner and answer questions then because I can kind of just slowly go through the questions and read it and answer and reply to people uh, and have dinner. And it's, it's not, it doesn't feel stressful. So it's like a great time for me to do it. The other time I do it, is like just when I'm on the move and I've got five minutes between a meeting or I'm waiting for the elevator in my building, I will just like hop on my phone and just answer questions because like I can type it out really quickly. Uh, so that's really been those like save time minutes where you've got five minutes to do something. You can like go and just answer emails, do whatever. It's kind of when I answer it. Yeah, it's probably a little bit better than like uh, the endless scroll. I think you and I are probably feeling some of these, uh, the same kind of things when I've kind of follow you on Twitter and stuff, it's like this digital overload. You talked about the information overload. And so being able to like, just get something out and actually contribute rather than consume is something that I always look forward, uh, as well. So. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm giving a talk in June at a conference just about like being digitally exhausted actually. And the idea of like endless scroll and there's tons of things you like you could do. And a lot of it, I think in this day and age, you've got to like pick where you spend your time and kind of limit where you spend your time. Otherwise you could just get addicted to everything and just always be connected. And that's just not, it's not good for our brains, but if the people who make the technology don't want their kids to use this technology, that's probably not a good sign that like we should be on the technology all the time. Oh man, you're, you're speaking my language there, but uh, that'll be a different <laughs> podcast. So 
One thing I wanted to ask you was with Google and Facebook, I mean, they're getting, you know, 66% of the digital ad spend, something like that. Two thirds of ad spend is going to these two. How do you, how do you think about multi-channel marketing? It's slightly the same, I'd say for every client, you know, every client will look at, does it make sense to be on Google first? Does it make sense to be on Facebook first or, you know, Facebook, Instagram? Because I think one thing I've, I've really learned the last couple of years is, is clients often think of like Facebook and Instagram as like, as like separate companies and separate mm. platforms. They don't always realize you just run all the ads for the same platform. Um, and so we look at it as like, you know, it's like building a house basically, right? You know, whether it's Google or Facebook, you've got to build that basement and build a really good foundation. So when you walk in on a Monday, you kind of have an idea of how many conversions or sales or what your revenue was for the weekend and then from there it's a question of you know we built the basement we built the google foundation or the facebook foundation you know where do we go next you know where does it make sense where are their customers you know for us if our client is in tech or SaaS, you know does the brand get talked about other competitor competitor brands get talked about on core like one of our clients could be through the shopify obviously there's like tons of questions about shopify and you know some of it positive some of it negative some of it like i don't know what the hell i'm doing please help me uh and so just being able to like target those people uh you know with this new client we signed up the other day is just been really helpful to see that like you know we can target shopify on lots of ad platforms and maybe core is going to give us potentially a better return on our investment just because our also competitors that are out there. We find a lot of agencies will easily do Facebook and Google, but lots won't even do like Bing as a perfect example when like Bing is like super easy. But the fact that you can like just import half your stuff from Google into Bing, like if I can get you 10, 20% more business and not spend 10 or 20% more time, but only spend maybe 5% more time, like wouldn't you want that? And most clients will, yeah, yeah, I would do it. I'm like, okay, well, let's get on Bing then. But we just see other agencies not do it because it's like extra work. And they've built a client at like, let's just make an example. Let's say they build a client at $1,000 a month and they did that to win the business because they want to compete on price. But now they can't really fully service the client as much as they want. And, mm-hmm. and for us, that's like being on as many platforms as we can sustain and as we can be profitable with the client and hit, you know, usually it's a ROAS of three or four. Sometimes it's a bit higher for our high-end clients. Um, so we think about building the foundation. Then we think about where else can we go to build fours one, two, and three? And, and how do we maintain that? And then how do we figure out, you know, from a remarketing perspective, can we remarket to people who've come from core on, you know, Facebook or on Google or vice versa? You know, can we market those people who've been on our website and other channels and get them to like see our ad on core and convert? Um, and then from there, it's just a question of like, how do you like maintain things and like defend your position? Kind of like the game of risk. You've, you've owned a couple countries in the game of risk, but how do you defend that and like expand out? Because that's, I think that's where clients struggle. And that's, I think, where all agencies, including ourselves, will probably struggle at some time is, is being just on all those platforms um, and defending your territory. Yeah, that's a really good answer, man. With... Uh, with with clients that are coming to you, do you have to do a lot of like Google and Facebook building? Like are, are people, or so not people, like are brands really not on there yet? Or is it mostly just like auditing and kind of rebuilding to how you would want to do it? Uh, it's a bit of both. I mean, we have clients who are startups, like they're literally a year old, a couple gotcha. months. So those clients, we totally have to build from scratch. Or in the case of a couple clients, like we got on the call, we chatted with them and they're like, well, you know, Dwayne, um, the other agency set up our account and stuff like that. And I've got to go, well, that's a problem because then they own the account. And if you try to like give us access, they'll always have access to the data. Is that okay with you? Obviously, I know the answer of the client's going to say, no, that's not okay. And so we've got to like start from scratch. And for the clients that's happened, that's been okay only because 
what the other agency has done was just like to be blunt was crap. Like the pixel <laughs> data wasn't any good. Um, like we had one client was like high in fashion. Like we lowered their CPA by 60% because we just tested better ad copy. Their agency mm. only drove sales by having a sale like 10% off. And I'm like, well, you could have a sale every month, but then you're just going to cheapen your brand. Uh, and then other clients already have it built. And so it's, it's audited figuring out like what's working, what's not making sure, you know, whether it's, you know, Google or Bing or Facebook, making sure the pixel or the conversion tag is set up correctly and that there isn't anything broken. Cause we often tell clients like, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes things are broken, but no one's fixed it. So we always want to make sure things are set up from an analytics tracking perspective. And then from there it's, you know, what's working, build on that success. What's not working, cut the fad and test out other things. Sometimes we'll, we will rebuild an account. Like we have a tech client in Australia uh, and my predecessors, there are three of them in one year they hire. They all couldn't do the job. I came in, I've done the job the last year. And so that was just a full account rebuild because what they had just wasn't functional, didn't make sense. It wasn't logical. Uh, now that we've got like Google and Bing and Facebook working for them, it's like, you know, getting them on core example because they're the client we signed up a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, where else can I spend time? Do I do like Critio? Can I do some DSP somewhere? Um, and so once you've rebuilt account, it's just figuring out like what else can you do in general? Um, so the short, long answer is like a bit of everything because some clients are really new and some clients are established, but maybe how they have things set up isn't how we would set things up for mm -hmm. like the best performance possible. Right, right. Well, I, this, yeah, I think it bleeds in perfectly. So you, uh, there was a question on Cora and said, describe an ad campaign that worked well for you. And your answer for it was, Competitor campaigns and you're seeing that you're seeing really great results, uh, you know, ROI of just like crushing it. And I think you, you've had a really good point too within Cora is like you can target your competitors so that, you know, if you're a competitor of Shopify, you can actually target Shopify. Um, so how Cora for those listening to is like, it's like a topic, right? And so all those questions roll up into a topic. So all the questions about Shopify now become a topic. Now you can target that as an example. Sorry, sorry, Shopify for if you're listening. But um, I think that's a really good answer as well. So whenever you're thinking about those competitor campaigns, do you just try to, you know, blanket them just across, you know, all search and all like interest topic, you know, across all networks? Or do you really kind of start with, the like core structure as you talked about with, you know, um, the base building that foundation. Uh, we definitely, it's probably one of the earlier campaigns will launch as a competitor campaign. Uh, so for all like Google and Bing, we'll do obviously brand, we'll do remarketing, we'll definitely launch a competitor campaign or some people call it a conquesting campaign really early because we know usually it will convert a lot better than a non-brand super generic search. Uh, and then if the client has budget, you know, we'll do non-brand super generic stuff or we might just import stuff into Bing. Uh, we're doing a competitor campaign for the client that competes with Shopify and Quora and it's doing really well. Like I'm happy with it, the client's happy with it and now it's just figuring out how do we scale it and scale it beyond you know we're targeting you know keywords for shopify we're targeting topics we're targeting interests we're targeting you know both the product and the company and so we've kind of blanketed shopify uh which is kind of ironic because actually like twice i had shopify reach out to hire me years ago uh <laughs> and then their their cmo at the time basically said it wasn't the right fit and i basically sent him a really long email and told him off like I've got all the experience you want. I've worked around the world. Like I've had two of your crews reach out. How am I not the right fit? And of course he never replied. So it's now ironic that I work on a competitor Shopify and my goal was just to like crush them one by one. I love that they're Canadian. I love that they're successful, but you're now the competition. So I've got to do what's in the best interest of my client, which is basically blanket your brand everywhere because I can. 
do one more question because I, I see this one a lot too. So another question that, that you answered uh, was about what is the difference between remarketing and retargeting? So we use these words almost interchangeably. Do you think of them differently? No, I think of them as the same thing. Like remarketing retargeting is basically someone's coming to your website if they didn't convert or maybe they did convert and you're going to try and upsell them on something. Uh, I think the challenge is like, I think Google calls it retargeting maybe. And so like they had their own name for it was everyone else called it remarketing and that's what like confused people. And I think that's my challenge in tech in general. Like, you know, Pinterest, for example, they call their lookalike audiences act-alike audiences. And I had to tell my am like, that's just an awkward name, act-alike. It, it, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Can't you just say it, call it lookalike or similar audience? I know that's stealing from like Google and Facebook, but this name is just weird. It's just basically you saying you try to come up with something different and this is what you came up with when like, you're just going to confuse people uh, in the market. So remarketing and targeting is totally the same thing. Uh, how you might do it on each platform might obviously be a bit different depending on who you have in the platform, but they are totally the same thing. <laughs> oh man. So even internally, like core, we're an ads platform or we have an ads platform, I should say. We, we have the same thing whenever we're talking with our product team, you know, it's like, what should we call these? Like call them lookalikes. Everyone knows them as lookalikes, you know, it's not similar audiences. They're not act alike. Just, just let's just call them lookalikes, you know, because I think the less that you have this confusion. So I'm, <laughs> I feel you, man, even as an advertiser working for an internal, you know, marketing team, it's at least we can, you know, have someone advocating <laughs> these kind of things. Thank you, JD. Everyone, everyone thanks you <laughs> in our industry. <laughs> it's the little things, Dwayne. It's just the little things that I do. It's a little thing, but it's, it's also like a big thing, right? Because you think about like, I tell this to clients on landing pages, like when you've got logos that are black or grayscale, it takes a two or three seconds longer for someone to recognize what that logo is. And that's the same mm. thing when you name something something different just to be different like it takes someone longer to register what that is and it's a little thing but like you know when you expand that to tens of thousands a hundred thousand customers you just make it more work for yourself when people are going to email your cs and be like what's this act alike thing you've got on your website <laughs> and, and then you've got your cs people to answer and i'm like you could have just called it a look like audience and made people's lives easier because calling it something else is not going to win points from anyone like honestly like there are other places you should win your battles and that's with like better technology better targeting, better opportunities, not by like trying to have a funny name for something. Well, um, something else that you touched on as well was you were talking about using uh, your Google ads copy and your Facebook copy for your core ads. So and I'm fully on board for, you know, taking those best performers for each one because, you know, core really is kind of like this hybrid between search and social. And I was wanting to see if you had any anecdotal, you know, data about is one performing better than the other? Is like your search copy or your uh, like social copy doing better? Or is it really just kind of depending on what you're targeting and where people are in the funnel? Yeah, it's more just depending on like what we're targeting. I think Facebook is better for a lot of that broader targeting, broader interest targeting you might do on core where our search campaigns are more for like the competitor campaigns or things that are super brand oriented and, and you know what brand you're going after because someone types in, you know, they come to core and they've typed in or they come from SERP and they've typed in, you know, Shopify e-commerce platform or what's the best e-commerce platform. And, you know, core comes up in, in SERPs two through 10. And so they click on it and they come. Um, odds are, our brand or a competitor campaign from search is going to perform really well because it says, you know, who we are as a brand what we do, you know, why you should pick us over Shopify. Um, I mean, maybe Shopify is advertising on core, but I just assume they're not. Um, and so that does really well. It was like broad interest targeting. 
where we're going after basically just e-commerce and anything with the word e-commerce related, that's great. But it's kind of like when you're on Facebook and you're just like hitting cold audiences left, right, and center. You want more friendly, get to know us, but you're not ready to buy kind of ad copy. Well, cool. So I'm going to want to wrap up everything. This is a question we're asking all of our guests that come on the, uh, the podcast is, what is one thing marketers can do today to be successful on Quora tomorrow? That's a, that's a really good question. I think, I think it's always been the same answer as when I was like really young and starting in the industry, like in 07. And like to be prepared for tomorrow on Quora or just any platform in general, you kind of have to understand how the platform works and understand it to the best of your ability from like a technical standpoint. So know like what you can and can't do or, you know, Facebook and Google, they have access to the API. There are things you can do with the API with like scripts and stuff like that. You know, maybe one day Core is going to get scripts that we can use as well. So understanding like what you can and can't do and what those like technical limitations are because understanding that allows you to like better counsel a client and be like, well, you know, yes, we can do this or no, we can't do that. Or like, yes, we can do this targeting, but you know, we can't do it the way you want because of like, these, you know, four things like, you know, client may say, Hey, can I upload, you know, a hundred people's email lists into core that are like, or big whales and maybe they can, but you need at least a thousand to run an actual campaign because there's like a privacy issue at a hundred. So I think really understanding the platform in and out and just going in there, playing around, getting yourself an ad account and just understanding, you know, what you can and can't do. Like having that knowledge has always, you know, made me better off than just like, Oh, I'll figure it out when a client wants it. Because when a client wants it at that point, it's already a bit too late in the sense that if the client asks you on a client call or in a meeting, you can't answer the question right there. You've got to like go back to the office, research it. If you have the time to research and then get back to them a week later, when you have answered in that call, look super intelligent to the client. Cause they're like, wow, this person knows everything. Uh, and then get them to give you money to do something about it. Oh man, I like that one. And one thing I'll add to that is really great. It's great advice is within Cora too. Like we, we, we don't, gate the ads manager. So you don't have to put in a credit card or anything. So you, once you sign up, you can get, go in, play around with an ads account and then uh, take those like audience lists as well and just drop them into Quora and just see what the match rate is. I think that's such an easy win before you go into any calls and it's something that I've been uh, pushing for advertisers that are wanting to learn more about the platform. Just look at match rate. Just know most people sign up with a personal email account. So those Gmails, those Yahoos are going to be a lot, lot more valuable than those business email addresses. And then if you can ever get that Pixel installed, <laughs> check out the Pixel as well and see if you can build some remarketing audiences. I know that that can be a little bit of a beast of a burden for a lot of people. <laughs> it, de- it definitely can. I think especially with clients maybe aren't technically inclined and they've got to work with like their dev team or someone else. There, there can be that delay there. And so it's not easy to get the pixel set up, but you definitely should get it set up because then you don't have to worry about building necessarily UTM URLs and all that stuff that just causes like more work. Well, uh, Dwayne, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, you know, sharing your knowledge with, with us and for other marketers just like yourself. We always appreciate all your contributions to the community and we'll make sure to, Drop in a link to that paid media salary survey for all of you guys listening. Go check that out. And uh, for coming on the Grow With Cora podcast, man, you've made it such a great episode and dropped some really good advice. I hope all of you guys can go in and implement a lot of these really good things. Cool. Thanks, Richie, for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun to chat. It's always good to just chat with you in general and catch up and hear how things are going. All right, everyone. Make sure that you subscribe to get the latest episodes. And in the meantime, you can head on over to Cora.com forward slash business to get started today. We'll see you next week.